I want to share with you an Easter message. Let me start off kind of leading into it this way. Mission accomplished is what we're looking at here today. There was a blockbuster movie series entitled Mission Impossible. It's directed by and starred in by Tom Cruise, who plays the role of Agent Ethan Hunt. There are six movies in the series, and two more are planned, I see, in the coming years. Hunt is the selfless, it seems like indestructible, and loyal-to-the-death operative who leads the IMF, which stands for the Impossible Mission Force. In each of the stories, the heroes are charged with an impossible task of thwarting unimaginable evil that is about to be unleashed on the world by some diabolical madman, and their job is to stop it. And if they fail in their assignment, all will be lost to mankind. Somehow at great personal sacrifice and by the narrowest margins of time, they're able to defeat the enemy and save a civilization from annihilation. Mission accomplished. But of course, that's Hollywood. In the real world, Mankind has been plunged into corruption and sin, and we're hurtling towards hell at a blistering pace, we could say. But Jesus Christ accepted the task of sacrificing himself to save mankind from eternal destruction. It is the greatest story ever told because it requires the greatest sacrifice. God died in our place, and it brings about and accomplishes the redemption of mankind from sin, death, and hell. This is the story that Christians, we retell every year. It never gets old to us because it has such meaning for us. We tell it every year at Easter because we celebrate the fact that Jesus Christ died on the cross, rose from the grave three days later, and then ascended into heaven. And by doing that, he did a work that no one else could do. No one else could do. So let me take just a few moments and talk to you about that work. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, it says in verses 20 and 21, now then, we are ambassadors for Christ as though God were pleading through us. So Paul says, we're representing Christ to the world. Every Christian is really like an ambassador representing God to a lost and dying world. We are ambassadors for Christ as though God were pleading through us. We implore you, we beg of you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Now verse 21. For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. So in that verse, as well as many others we find in the New Testament, the Bible tells us this. Jesus' death and resurrection is a vicarious work. Now, you may not be real familiar with that word. Probably many of you are. But the word vicarious is the theological term. It's simply what it is. It's a theological term that describes the biblical concept of substitutionary atonement. Very simply put, it is Jesus dying in our place. Jesus taking our place. 
He is our sin substitute that God poured out his wrath upon. And why did he have to do that? Because we're sinners. I don't think I probably have to convince anyone here today that you're a sinner. You realize you're a sinner. You know you sin. You fail. You fall short of your own expectations, let alone God's righteous expectations. Matter of fact, the Bible says it this way in Romans 6.23. But the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So it's like there's two paths. There's a fork in a road. The wages of sin, the payment for sin, leads us eternally to damnation and hell. But the gift of God brings about eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. When we accept Jesus Christ, we get eternal life. That's what God is telling us. We're all sinners. We're all plunged into our problem of sin, and we're headed towards hell, except for Christ has placed a fork in the road and says, you don't have to go there. I died in your place. Because God is both holy and just, he has to punish sin. He can't tolerate sin, but because he's just and he's merciful and he's loving, he's provided a way for us to deal with our sin problem and not suffer for it. While on the cross, Jesus suffered the punishment and death that we rightly deserve. That's really ours. We own it. But Jesus took it upon himself. He assumed our guilt. He paid our penalty, similar to maybe a, a wealthy benefactor that came to you and decided to pay off your home mortgage. Although that illustration falls short, maybe he was a wealthy benefactor and he paid off the national debt would be more like it. Because Jesus paid for the sins of the whole world. He paid off, we could say, mankind's debt for all eternity, all people who've ever lived. The Bible says in Ephesians 2.1, and you hath he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins. You may be here today and you say, well, wait a minute, I'm not dead. I'm very much alive. And that's the way people often think in their natural self. Well, you can be physically very much alive. You can be at the very top of your game physically, very much alive physically, but be dead spiritually, have no connection to God, have no eternal life. And that's what Jesus has provided for us. We can be dead spiritually, but still alive physically, but God wants to give us eternal life on top of our physical life. 1 Corinthians 15, 20 says it this way. But Christ hath truly been raised from the dead. 1 Corinthians 15 is the famous resurrection chapter. But Christ hath truly been raised from the dead, the first one, and proof that those who sleep in death will also be raised. It's a Christian euphemism or a Christian analogy to say those who die are asleep because eventually their bodies are going to be raised. Their spirit is already with the Lord, but their body is asleep and it's going to be raised and they get their eternal body. So that's why he says those who sleep in Christ will also be raised. So by the fact that Jesus came out of the grave, that he was raised from the dead, gives hope and promise to every one of us that we can be raised from the dead if we put our faith in him. That's what Easter's all about. Easter's all about the dead being raised. First Christ, 
but also all of us who are in that train, who follow him. Many years ago, I went with a group of preachers down to Mexico to preach in that place. And we were working with some missionaries. Their names were Tim and Gail Brown. They worked with Oramex Mission. Gail had been hit by a drunk driver as she was crossing the road. And it crushed her hip, her pelvis, and her skull. She was rushed to the hospital. They worked on her for some period of time, but they pronounced her dead. Matter of fact, they pronounced her dead three times. But one particular doc wouldn't give up on her. While the others were pronouncing her dead and beyond hope, he just kept working on her, working on her. And when I saw Gail, she was up, walking around, talking, serving, ministering to people. She was very much alive. A little impaired, yes, but she was very much alive. To meet someone who is declared dead three times but be alive is very unusual. But to meet someone who was declared dead spiritually and be raised to newness of life is impossible except through Jesus Christ. He's the only one that can raise the dead spiritually through his vicarious work by dying in our place. He made it possible for you and me to have eternal life. Jesus' death and resurrection is a vicarious work, but it's also a victorious work. Allow me to read one other passage. And that's from this resurrection chapter, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, beginning at verse 54. So when this corruptible has put on incorruption, Paul is talking about this mortal body that all of us have here today. When this corruptible has put on incorruption and this mortal has put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. So Jesus' death and resurrection is victorious. Death is swallowed up in the victory that Jesus provides. Oh, death, where is your sting? Oh, Hades, where is your victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is found in the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. So Paul is talking about this vicarious death of Christ as also a victorious death death because we can all be a part of that winning side that Jesus provides for us. Now, the truth is, if we could transport ourselves back 2,000 and some years ago to Jesus's death on the cross, which, by the way, is the most provable fact in history according to legal proceedings, It is the number one most provable fact in history. There is more evidence that Jesus lived and died and rose again than there is that George Washington was our first president. But if we could transport ourselves back and we saw the scene, Jesus hanging on the cross from 9 in the morning till 3 in the afternoon, it would look like Satan won and God lost. That's the conclusion we would have. Well, God lost this one. Satan won this one. Because Jesus is dead hanging there on the cross until they took him down. Jesus has been disowned by his own people, the Jewish race. He's been abandoned by his own disciples. They went running in every direction, and he's been executed by the Roman soldiers. 
But that's not the end of the story. I think we all understand that. That's not the end of the story. That's the cliffhanger. And that age-old conflict that culminated there on the cross began way back in the Garden of Eden when Satan tempted Adam and Eve to take from the fruit from the knowledge of good and evil and eat of it and disobey God. They plunged not only themselves, but all of us, their entire posterity, all of mankind into sin. We're all sunk. And so it all begins back there in the garden, but it ended at the tomb. When God raised Jesus from the dead, that's where that conflict ended, which was proof. By the way, when God raised Jesus from the dead, that meant that God accepted Jesus' sacrifice in our behalf. It was proof. It was validation. God says, all right, good enough. You've paid for the sins of mankind. I poured out my wrath upon you, and now I forgive mankind who repents of their sin and takes you as their Savior. Accepting Jesus' payment for mankind's sin is proof positive when Jesus was raised from the dead. Satan could not hold his prey. Satan and the demons in hell must have been dancing and singing and thought they'd won the final victory, but Satan couldn't hold his prey, and Jesus came out of the tomb. In Hebrews 2.14, it says it this way, Jesus destroyed him who has the power of death. That is the devil. He destroyed him. Now, Satan is still around, But the idea is that Jesus won the eternal victory over Satan. And he won the eternal victory for mankind. This is a victorious work that he accomplished on the cross for us. By conquering sin, by paying for sin, by conquering the devil. The Bible tells us that those who have put their trust in Jesus and his finished work upon the cross no longer need to fear death no longer need to fear hell because Jesus was victorious over all of that. Reassuring us, giving us a confidence in this life, reassuring us that this corruptible, as we read here, this corruptible body will someday be replaced with a sinless body, a redeemed body, an incorruptible body, a glorified body where we will dwell in heaven with our Savior and Lord forever that's what we celebrate at easter we celebrate the fact that in ages past and eons past and eternity past when god knew that mankind would disobey and we would all become sinners that jesus volunteered jesus surrendered himself to say i will pay for mankind's sin and then god carved out the plan that we see unfolding in Scripture, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, paying for our sins. But it's only ours, as we all know, I think, is if we embrace Jesus Christ personally. You can know a lot of facts about God without knowing him personally. Just like you can know a lot of facts about the President of the United States, but chances are you don't know him personally. You have to come to know him personally by repenting of sin in embracing him, taking him as your personal Savior. Let's pray together. Father, thank you 
for the message that we celebrate, that we revel in, that we just glory in today, the message that Jesus died for us, he was buried and he rose the third day, validating and indicating that God accepted his sacrifice and is willing to wash away the sins of every individual that turns to him. We thank you for this wonderful message that mankind could have never dreamt up on his own. It could have never been concocted by man, but revealed in holy writ. And we praise you for it. And may individuals that might be here today who've never trusted you put their full faith and trust in you today. We ask in Jesus' name, amen.